Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Hey, coming up, we've got our set list ATX. Our man Nick Shuley will join us, the president of the Austin Music Movement. Where are you going to be moving to to see some great music this upcoming weekend, starting tonight? Let's always recap what's going on. That Black Pumas album is out and doing well. Also, Rod will debate again that the Cowboys make a mistake not making a trade at the deadline, maybe acquire a Derrick Henry or a corner. Depth. Uh, seems like every other contender in the NFC did something to bolster their team. The Eagles and Lions, Niners, and Seahawks all made pretty significant moves. I mean, the assumption in that logic is that they're perfect. Like, we like our guys. Like we love our so that you have no you have no holes on your roster. The 49ers said they had holes on their rosters. The Eagles said we had holes on our roster. Every other contender in the NFC, every playoff team in the NFC right now, except the Cowboys, thought, yeah, we got holes on our roster. We need to hey, if it's a big move, great. If not, we got hey, we got to get better. We got to. Well, break. it's the second straight year the Niners have made a big move, right? They got Christian McCaffrey last year, which was a huge piece, and now Chase Young to mm. go with Nick Boza and Eric. Armstead and stockpiling pass. Javon, Har- Javon Hargraves on that defense. <laughs> Ken Law is over there. That Ken Law. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a good get. I mean, the Cowboys are good, but uh, Eagles picked up uh, Kevin Byard, the All Pro safety. Yeah, Seahawks man. picked up Leonard Hamilton, uh, the defensive end, defensive tackle. Uh, of course, even Leonard the Williams. even the even the Lions. Williams, right? How's that? Leonard Williams. Leonard yeah. Williams. No. Even the Lions went and got uh, yes. Donovan Peoples Jones, who yeah. I think is a pretty good ball player. Uh, to even fortify their receiver core around oh. Ron Ross St. Brown. So, Come on, uh, making moves. Cowboys did not. There was a lot of talk about Derrick Henry and some smoke around that, but Jerry was true to his word. And by the way, it's, uh, you know, he that. said, it, said we're, not, we're not looking to move anybody, but, um, but it doesn't mean it's the right move, right? It's criticizable. Uh, but also, we, in addition to that, we've got the college football playoff rankings revealed last night. Ohio State, number one, <laughs> followed by Georgia, Michigan, and then Florida State. Texas is sitting at seven. Uh, the second highest ranked one loss team behind Oregon. Uh, and they've, you know, from, as we said all morning and all night last night when this came out, Longhorns can't worry about that. They've got to worry about their games, which begins Saturday, and it's a tough one. Maybe the toughest game remaining on their schedule is this red hot Kansas State football team. They were ranked 23rd in last night's uh, inaugural college football playoff rankings. And they have been on a, on a heater. They got off to a start where they had two losses, one at Missouri, then they turned around and lost in Stillwater. But, uh, man, have really dominated the month of October since that lost Oklahoma State. Yeah. They're 82-3, their last two games, and have found something with a two-quarterback system. With that in mind, let's go to the, the Vaqueros hotline. And uh, when we talk K-State football, always great to go to uh, right to the top, talk to one of the best. He is the publisher of Go Power Cat on the 24-7 Sports Network. He is a radio host. He's a sports writer, uh, knows those K-State Wildcats. He is Tim Fitzgerald. Tim, good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you guys? We're great, great. man. This is going to be a fun game, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, give us your thoughts on this K-State team. Won the Big 12 a year ago, bring a lot of guys back, but uh, early, you know, didn't look like the team. But as usual with the Chris Kleiman team, it's safe to say they're getting better as the weeks go by. Yeah, they, you're right. They weren't a uh, – very good team when they played at Missouri. They just uh, they weren't a complete product. I'd, I'd like to play them again and see what would happen because the secondary was uh, you know pieced back together. They lost both corners to the NFL. They lost safety to the NFL. So they had some rebuilding to do. And Luther Burden and company in Missouri took advantage of that. And that's a pretty good Missouri team. 
Then they go to Oklahoma State. Hey, you know, Oklahoma State stinks. They're going to blow Oklahoma State. I think K-State just heard too much of it. And I don't know what kind of voodoo Mike Gundy worked in his off week, but uh, that's a different team now than before the off week as they've been rolling ever since. And in case they just was flat as I've, I've seen a K-State team in a long time be. Uh, and you're right. They flipped a switch, particularly in the second half at Texas Tech. They fell behind 21-17. Uh, true freshman quarterback Avery Johnson kind of got him going. Uh, now Will Howard has uh, you know, kind of asserted himself since then. But since that moment when they fell behind in Lubbock, they've outscored their opponents 103-3. to um, And it's just been a really dominant phase of football, but against teams that aren't named the Texas Longhorns. So that's the, that's the issue here. You've done – TCU and Houston, uh, dirty and you know, eighty-two to three over those two games. But uh, Texas is a whole different adventure, and that starts early Saturday morning. Hey Tim, it seems like Oklahoma. Uh, sorry, that K State obviously has the quarterback advantage in this matchup because Texas will have the backup quarterback in, and uh, K State has multiple quarterbacks available, including a veteran in Will Howard. Uh, talk about this quarterback rotation and exactly yeah. you know uh, what determines when they um, uh, work these rotations for Avery Johnson and for Will Howard, and what does uh, each quarterback bring to the table. Well, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Will Howard was bad at Oklahoma State. I mean, that's what kind of set this in motion. It was, you know, his worst game in a couple seasons now and threw three interceptions. Uh, it turns out they weren't all his fault. He was having issues with his receivers being on the same page and doing the right thing. So, um, but still, uh, the team was flat. He was flat, didn't perform well. They probably should have put Avery Johnson in at that point to try to get some run game going with him. Um, and they did it at Texas Tech. They threw him in the game and ran for a touchdown. Threw him in the game, and he ran for a touchdown. Uh, he ended that game his first significant playing time at K-State. He played a little bit at Missouri and a little bit in the season opener, but this was his first large amount of playing time, and he tied a school record with five rushing touchdowns, held by his offensive coordinator, Colin Klein. Um, he was He's the fastest guy on the team. He's a brilliant runner. Um, but the tech defense made it look really easy, too. So uh, they came back home, played TCU, and those two literally rotated every other staff, every other possession, uh, which was awkward to see, but it was really effective. And at the end of the day, Will played better than Avery, but it wasn't that huge a gap. <clears throat> you go into last week's game, Will Howard just wouldn't let Avery on the field. Um, he had multiple touchdowns, and when they put Avery out, they – had a bad exchange on a handoff, and um, luckily the K-State defense bowed up at the when Houston took over the 26. And we didn't see much of Avery. He came in later when it was a blowout. It looks pretty good. Uh, but, you know, Will Howard was brilliant in this game uh, against Houston. I think he completed 15 or 17 passes. So, uh, you know, as much as we talk about the quarterback, the running backs are doing a lot of work, too, and the offensive line has been really dominant. Uh, and, you know, that's freed up the quarterbacks to do some good work. 
I want to talk about those running backs because coming into the year, Treshawn Ward, the Florida State transfer, got the headlines, but DJ Giddens has been the leading rusher by a lot, and he's been the the, ball, the, the main ball carrier uh, for this team when it's not Avery Johnson at quarterback. But, uh, Tim, uh, that offensive line, the one thing we've talked about here in Austin is the matchup between the interior of the uh, K-State O-line with Cooper Beebe and those guys against this Texas interior, which is as good as any in the country. They've gone toe-to-toe with the likes of Alabama and held their own. I mean, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, this is a heck of a matchup, mano a mano. Oh, line versus this, this Texas D line, which is, is really, really good too. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It's, it, it's going to come down to can K-State build any semblance of a run game? Uh, because almost nobody's run with consistent success against this Texas front. Uh, and, and the running backs are a nice little combo in, in two different styles. Uh, DJ Giddens uh, has the reputation of being more between the tackles. Um, and he's a little bit bigger. You know, when you've had Deuce Vaughn as your running back, anyone's bigger. Uh, Treshawn Ward's bigger than Deuce Vaughn. Uh, DJ's uh, really effective in getting off that first contact. Uh, he gets a lot of yardage after contact. And, and Treshawn's a, you know, a version of Deuce. He's a little guy that kind of can get lost in traffic and make some moves. But uh, he was out for a little bit. He got injured at Missouri. And uh, DJ took over that UCF game when everyone found out that UCF can't tackle, which is an important part of football. I don't know if they know that, uh, but they, they can't tackle. Um, so, uh, yeah, he went for 200-plus against UCF and just chewed him up pretty good. But uh, they're, they're, they're a fun combination, and DJ's a really likable kid. I mean, he's K-State football. Two-star kid out of Junction City, Kansas, 20 minutes down the road, has now really taken control of the running back job at, at Kansas State. Hey, Jim, let me ask you about the defense. They lost uh, some good players. You brought this up uh, earlier. Lost some good players on defense. Uh, Julius Brent's a good player. Uh, Felix N.U.D.K. Uzoma, good player for them. The defense has recovered, it seems, after that Missouri game. Got a chance to watch that Missouri game, and Missouri uh, lit them up, throwing it a ton through the air, make some big splash plays through the air. And you talked about Oklahoma State already able to run the football really effectively versus K-State. But since then, it looked like a different defense. Uh, what have they done to adjust? Well, they swapped some safeties. You've got Kobe Savage and, and uh, B.J. Payne, two really good safeties, and they were both kind of playing different positions this year, and they swapped them, uh, and it's really worked well. That's helped to solidify the back end because Kobe can kind of help get everyone lined up a little bit. Um, and that that's exactly what was going on, and just the back end of the defense was a little bit disorganized early in the season. They've lost middle linebacker Daniel Green. Um, I remember two years ago being in Texas uh, after that you know dreadful performance by K-State in which Texas beat them without a quarterback. It's kind of an important part of football, too. Um, and I asked, I asked uh, Daniel Green if he was going to come back the next year. We thought he was going to go to the NFL. He said, no, I'm coming back. And then we asked him after the Sugar Bowl last year, and he wasn't coming back. But he came back to get a clean season without an injury, and he got injured against Missouri, and he's gone for the year. So they've had a true freshman middle linebacker in there, which is a position to keep an eye on for K-State, who's done well, but, again, not against the Texas Longhorns. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a real challenge. K-State needs to find a way to, uh, you know, it's all about, to me, it's all about the run game in this. Who can establish the run to help their quarterback and help their offense is, is really going to be at a, a big advantage. And that would appear to be Texas as the advantage in that scenario. So we'll see. 
He is Tim Fitzgerald, the publisher of Go Power Cat uh, on the uh, 24-7 Sports Network, also uh, author and uh, writer and uh, radio host up there. Uh, you know, Texas has struggled in their own secondary at times against Oklahoma and against Houston, even against Alabama. Their safeties can get caught in coverage. Uh, but it doesn't look to me, just looking at the stats, that K-State is that dynamic through the air. I mean, Br- Phillip Brooks is their leading receiver, number eight. He's at about 55 yards a game. Their, their lead, second leader receiver is a tight end, Ben Sennett, who we've seen um, over many years. D.J. Giddens, the running back, is number three. So is this a, a passing game that can threaten what has been a weakness of Texas at times is their back end? That's a great question. It's a really valid question. <laughs> K-State's receivers just aren't that dynamic. They they really aren't. They lean heavily on uh, assistance from the, the tight end spot. They, I mean, they had catches last couple weeks by three different tight ends. Uh, but Ben Sennett's the main guy. Uh, even though he's listed as a pullback, he's an H-back, a tight end. And um, uh, they throw to the running backs a lot. Uh, DJ Giddens you know, took a screen pass to the house against uh, TTU. I credit a good play call and a dreadful performance by the TTU defense. But, uh, yeah, they kind of sprayed all over the field. This is an ongoing problem for K-State. Uh, and I mentioned that he had Will Howard had problems with receivers running wrong routes and, and doing things inefficiently at Oklahoma State. Well, they've... They brought in a true freshman. They put him into the core, you know, rotation. And Jace Brown, and he's been helpful. Uh, he gets open, which is a, you know, another basic thing of football. If you're a receiver, get away from the guy trying to cover you. Um, and uh, they haven't done that very well. Uh, so it it is a issue. Philip Brooks looked great last week. I mean, he had five targets, five catches, and uh, a touchdown. And it. it they, this is an area, but without a running game, K State can't throw the ball effectively. And there you go. That's the issue. Well, there you go. Anything else, Rod? Uh, you uh, did you bring up Jace Brown recently? I've noticed that he's getting a lot more playing time with the wide receiving yeah. core. Yeah. Okay. Is yeah. He, is yeah, he this, considered this, a more this, dynamic player? Um, by K State standards, uh, yes. Uh, in terms of receiver play, they just really uh, aren't as dynamic. You know, they brought in Keegan Johnson from Iowa, uh, and he was expected to be the guy at receiver, and he's been uh, in and out of the training room all season long. He didn't play last week. Um, so they they now have some other freshmen, some other young guys showing up in the depth chart. So who knows what we'll see at receiver, but uh, whoever can catch and run the, with the football will be helpful to K-State. Catch and run. <laughs> uh, hey, Tim, that's the overview, overview we were looking for. We appreciate it. Know you're busy and uh, uh, look forward to a good game on Saturday. And hopefully we'll, we'll see you down there. Texas and K-State coming up Saturday, 11 o'clock. Tim Fitzgerald, now go Power Cat. You can uh, find him, of course, uh, doing great work covering these. Doing it for a long. How long have you been covering K-State, Tim? It's been uh, been a long time. It's at Life of Fitz yeah, think- on, on Twitter, which is a great, great uh, Twitter handle. Yeah, I think I'm at 29 years full-time on the beat. Um, so wow. some of the beat writers weren't born. Um, it, yeah. it, old sneaks up on you guys. Old's like that blindside <laughs> blitz. All of a sudden, old's all over you. Hey, trust me. I'm 50 this year, Tim. I can get it. I'll, I, I'm, I'm with you. At Life of Fitz on Twitter and uh, great stuff with Tim Fitzgerald. Whenever we talk K-State, we talk to Tim. Thank you, Tim. Have a uh, great week. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, boys. All right, so uh, there you go, Rod. I mean, um, that was good. I mean, look, they're not dynamic. They're just physical and efficient. They are, and it's all about the running game because – 
you know, he's right about their wide receivers. Remember, we tried to warn you guys about the U of H wide receivers. Like we told you, like they're dynamic, man. They don't have a lot of things going on with those receivers. They can go. They're twitchy and fast on the outside. Um, so was Oklahoma. Receivers were twitchy and fast. The receivers for BYU were not twitchy and fast. They were more possession big receivers. And these receivers aren't necessarily twitchy and fast. They got one, that's Brooks. But the rest of them, I think they match, or Texas matches up well with those types of receivers. Well, and guess what? I mean, I, I, we got a lot of these messages, and it's a fair question. Like, how did Donovan Smith torch Texas? And then they go to K-State, and they, he didn't do anything. Well, he played that game without Manjack and without Sam Brown. Exactly. All they were down to mark him to Matthew two, Golden. Two of the four re- good yeah. receivers they got. Yeah. Uh, and so when you when, when a team like Houston who doesn't have a lot else, you lose two of the four most dynamic players on your team. You can double team the rest of them. Yeah, now you're, yeah, you, you can, can really go after Matthew yeah. Golden and, uh, and then the, the, the walk-on kid. And they don't have a running game. Houston doesn't have a running game. So that was a bad, bad situation for them. So, mm-hmm. And that's why we talk about, well, one game doesn't equal the next. I mean, how do you torch Texas? Well, they had everybody healthy, a receiver. They were coming off 10 days off. They installed a new defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it t- t- threw Texas for a bit of a loop. Then Texas' quarterback got hurt. Exactly. Uh, all that happens in a game, right? And, and he just mentioned the Texas Tech game, that they were in a dogfight. Will Howard's playing poorly after he had played poorly against Oak State. And uh, Chris Clement says, get I'm this done. kid in there. Get in there. Get this kid in there and now he's mentioning that now will howard's playing some of his best football because there's also the competitive nature in players and he knows his job is now uh, oh not only on the line but you just watch this young man go out here and ball out so you're watching the heir apparent who's about to take your job and then he starts staying later and then he starts making better decisions and he starts playing better that's what competition will do too yeah. trust me tom brady dealt with a lot that's why bill belichick kept drafting quarterbacks behind him he always thought if he's got somebody on his you know that basically is competing with him and that he believes that is threatening to take his spot. Psychologically, there are some players that are built different. They're built with that competitive sickness. Um, Brady was one. I'm not saying Will Howard's son Brady, but I'm saying psychologically some athletes are built like that. They, they need somebody threatening their job yeah. to bring out the best in them. Well, and Will Howard <laughs> might be that guy. And uh, like Chris that. Kleiman, and that, that stat that he threw out is pretty incredible. If you take the second half of Tech and then their last two games, so two and a half games, they've outscored their opponents 103-3. to three. And mostly with Will Howard. Mostly with Will Howard yeah. because it lit his fire. But in that Texas Tech game, Avery Johnson scored five touchdowns. Change up, baby. He was change up. He yep. was the speed. Yep. And that's the thing. And you're, they're not going to get the dynamic playmakers on the outside. You just heard that. But it's going to come from their quarterbacks and their running backs. Yep. And so you have to deal with that. And, you know, that means receivers in the flat. That means little quick passes out to the, to the wings. Uh, the best receiver they have is a kid named Austin Moore. Uh, no, check that. Uh, their best receiver is a, is a, is a guy – um, gosh, I had it. I, we just talked to him about it. Yeah, uh, Brooks, Phillip, Phillip Brooks. Phillip Brooks. Phillip yeah. Brooks, and he's at 50 yards a game. 50 yards a game. That's their leading receiver. Yeah. Uh, their, their tight end H-back is their second leading receiver. Yeah, so, Ben Sano is he, – he actually is the, the favorite receiver of the quarterbacks. Well, this Will is Howard. why both coaches have said this. Him. For Texas and for – I mean, this seems really rudimentary, but – he who wins first down will probably win this game. Uh, they're they're not flashy and dynamic, but they're they're physical and efficient. So they're going to try to stay at. Why are they fifty six percent on third down? Because they moved the ball for three four yards on first down, three four yards on second down. Now it's third and two. Third manageable. Uh, now you got play action. You got quarterback run game. You got a lot of different things you can do. If Texas can make them second and third and long, 
they don't have the – I mean, you can cover those guys, and then your pass rush can get home, and you can start creating some opportunities. This is a big for Texas to win first and second down, but it's equally big the other way because what you don't want to do for Texas is put Malik Murphy in second and third and long. Uh, now, he has more weapons, and Sark's got more creativity, and he can do more with his skill players, try to create some mismatches than K-State can, but you, you don't want a young quarterback in that spot against a very opportunistic defense like Kansas State was allowed in the last two and a half games, three points, three points. Yeah. Efficient, not flashy, physical, but physical still wins football games, Rod. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, I mean, you just said it, that, you know, third downs, period, because they're so good. And Texas actually is really good. Texas on number one. Down. Texas top five in the country uh, in third down, get off. Yeah, you're talking about top five teams both in third down offense for K-State, third down defense for Texas. Um, so the – that you could argue that could be the game in a nutshell. I think for for Texas, how they attack the quarterback running game. Yes, this team wants to run the football, and they got a good crop of running backs. But what really makes their running game so unique, I believe, it, it may be the most diverse quarterback run game in the in the Big 12. Kansas got a really good good uh, quarterback run game too, but this is one of the most diverse quarterback run games in the country. Yep. They run every type of quarterback design run you can think of. Well, and I wouldn't be surprised if you, and I haven't watched enough tape like you have wrote. I wouldn't be surprised to see Avery Johnson on the field with Will Howard and they do it quite yeah, a bit. They do, yeah, they yeah. do. They do that a lot already. Yeah. They put them both on the field together and then they'll they'll use Avery Johnson as like a jet sweep uh, receiver fastest put, player on the put team. Put him in motion and you know they're working on a double pass of some kind when they got those two guys on the field together because Avery Johnson actually can't threaten you with jet sweep, sweep speed. Yeah. He's that fast. Four, four guy, legit. Yeah. All right, we'll come back. When we do, it is uh, the, the set list ATX. Somebody said any World Series talk? Oh, yeah, we'll talk World Series on the Rangers. A win away from a championship for the first time in franchise history. Cowboys, where they regret not being more active yesterday. All things we're talking about, plus before the end of the hour. Who said that? Who Coming next, that? set list ATX. Ooh, Welcome back. It's uh, Hook 'em Up time with Ian Rod B. We're live uh, yeah. with you here on uh, Hook 'em Up. We got one more hour to go to the fabulous fifth hour to come. That's right. Uh, which is always fabulous. We'll be talking Rangers and their uh, chances with their ace on the mound tonight to win their first world championship, which will be a lot of fun. We've also talked college football playoff rankings. And the question, is Michigan possibly getting dinged already for this sign-stealing issue? And the issue continues to mount. Uh, and the issues, I should say, and yesterday went viral some pictures of what appeared to be Connor Stallions, uh, the staffer who has been in the center of this whole sign-stealing operation, uh, on the sidelines of a game that wasn't a Michigan game or, or but was on the sidelines of a Central Michigan game, Rod. Central Michigan. It's ugly, man. It's and uh, wearing, like, CMU gear. Ooh, had Blending in. Yeah. yeah. And then, so who said this yesterday, Rod? Who said this? You know, before we go any farther, uh, we've obviously are aware of a uh, picture floating around so with the the uh, the sign stealer guy. Um, you know, our people are doing everything they can to get to the bottom of it. Um, we're unaware, totally unaware of it. Uh, I certainly don't condone it. Uh, in any way, shape, or form, and uh, you know, I do know that his name was on none of the passes that were let out. Um, now we just keep tracing it back and tracing it back and try to figure it out. But it's in good hands with our people. Um, and again, 
you know, there, there's there's no place in football for that. So it, it said he's, it's, it's actually his name wasn't on any of the passes officially, which means somebody must have given him his second hand. Like they got a pass and maybe Potter gave it Stallion to him. Knows people. Exactly. That's exactly what it means. Um, CMU uh, Central Michigan Athletics Director Amy Folan, um, she said that she they were looking into it, investigating it, and that the VB pass, which is I think he was spotted with a VB pass, allows access to an area between the 20-yard lines for a certain amount of people. So he got one of them VB passes. By the way, also learned uh, that uh, Amy Folan, the, the Central Michigan Athletic Director, former Longhorn. He used to run the foundation. He used to run the foundation at Texas. The Shout name to my is man, familiar. Uh, Cosby will let me know that because Quan knows every damn body. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, so didn't know that. There's a Longhorn connection. Of course there is. Amy to, Foley. <laughs> to this story. Okay, so also. Well, and just so people know, when you're on the ahead. sidelines, the passes are color-coded. So the, the security, if you're in the wrong place with the wrong color, you got photo. You uh, got, they should be the spot. you like, hey, you shouldn't be here. Yeah, but if you have yeah. one between the 20s. Yeah. Then he, should, he was where he should have been. That's what I'm saying. Like, but, but if, if, if you didn't have the right one, right. they would be able to tell you, like, hey, you can't be here. That's right. That's usually right. they don't mess with those people on the sideline. Right. Um, Especially when they're wearing CMU gear. Yes, they assume like, like a coach. Booster, donor, coach, somebody's family member. You know, they're going to mess you once you're down there. Um, but, yeah, he does look kind of shady. Okay. Well, and the point is they were, they were playing Michigan State. Exactly. And he was looking across the field watching to, to Michigan State. Confirm his uh, <laughs> sign-stealing yes. uh, operation. He, he, this guy was hands-on. He didn't hire nobody to do the job done. He did the job himself. I'll give him credit for that. But what are the odds? Because that's Jefferson McElwain talking about the, the sign-stealing controversy and um, the photo, the very controversial photo that now people are trying to identify as Connor Stallions on the eastern, uh, sorry, central Michigan sideline. And I, I asked you about this, Ian. You couldn't remember it, but I swear to thinking I found the actual story. Years ago, probably about four years ago, Jim McElroy was also involved in a very controversial viral photo. Like, it wasn't a scandal, but it became a really, really you know, shady story. The number one thing on Google when you, when you type in Jim McElroy. <laughs> For those who don't know, so there was a photo that went viral. Leaked online of a dude, a guy that looked very much like Jim McElwain. He was a doppelganger. He was butt naked on top of a slaughtered shark on a boat. And this guy was smiling. And it just, it's just a creepy photo. And first of all, PETA and people who are obviously animal uh, rights activists, they got into this like, hey, that's not cool. But then people in the sports world said, that looks like Jim McElwain. And it was on a boat. And he likes to see, likes to fish and stuff like that. So people assume that's Jim McElwain. It got such, it got such headlines. It got, it became such a big story. They asked, they had to ask him about it. It became that big of a story. He had to address it. Do you have this tie of Jim McElwain addressing the, sh- the naked shark photo? You've become part of this big viral photo. Sure. I mean, what's your feeling on this situation? Well, first and foremost, I don't know who it is, but it isn't me. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, it's, what, what's your just feeling in general? Just that something like this I, could even get out there and become a story? Well, I guess that's for you guys to answer. And, you know, in the world we live, what is a story? I just know this. It isn't me. <laughs> And by the way, they've never been able to identify who it is. <laughs> like, they never found Here's the actual you, person. This is, why, this is why the interwebs are still undefeated. If you Google it, 
Here's a headline. Jim McElwain still doesn't think the, the shark-humping meme <laughs> is at all funny. <laughs> it's not like become its own thing. It will tell you, man, that was crazy. So how, what are the odds of him involved in another viral photo like, scandal controversy? He might be a shark, too. Oh, man, that's just a weird one. Hey, anyway. Play this for me there. That's good. Jim McElwain twice. But now play this. Who said this last night, Rod Babers? Okay, so Michigan is in those top four slots, but every day, every time you open your phone, there's some new piece of evidence with a sign-stealing scandal. What is the committee's position on that aspect as it pertains to evaluating Michigan's place in the college football playoff rankings? You know, our, our job is, as we look at it, is to rank the teams, you know, to follow our protocols. And as we went through it, that really wasn't part of any of the discussions that occurred during the uh, during our time together. Yeah, if it wasn't part of it, what is the directive? Because we've talked about this many times. One of the beauties of having a committee instead of a formula is that you have different perspectives. You can't control mm-hmm. the way people think, but what is the directive to the committee members as it pertains to their personal evaluation of a team as they, uh, as they go through and wade through this sign-stealing situation? Yeah, we really view it. Uh, Reese, it's an NCA issue. It's not a CFP issue. At this point in time, you know, as we're looking at this, we want to make sure that we get not only the top four teams, but the top 25 teams right. All right, there you go. Uh, that's, that's somebody boo. Longhorn fans need to get to know. That's Boo, right? Yeah, that's Boo, boo Corrigan. Corrigan. Yeah. He boo is Corrigan. the CFP chairman. Yeah. Taking and over for Dave Barda. He's basically saying, for us, it's not an issue right now because that's the NCAA and basically the conference. I think that's the tack they have needs to, take. to Needs to step in. They need to actually punish Michigan. And then we won't have to do anything because the punishment will take care of whether Michigan is going to be available in the college yeah. football Well, we'll see. I mean, I'm with you, though. I think the NCAA needs to step up here. Come on, man. If the Big Ten's not, to protect their own teams. NCAA it takes a long time to investigate, though. It takes like two years oh, for them to investigate. Oh, that's stuff. what I'm saying. That's why the Big Ten should get ahead of this for their good of their own conference. I mean, they're, they they can control, take control of their to protect their teams within their conference. who have to play Michigan here in the month of November. Now, once they got the proof, then they ain't got to worry about Michigan taking them to court. Then they're good. The other part of that is the teams they have to play do know now. If they didn't know before, they know fully where they better have a more advanced system of sign sending and change that's them all. Fair. Change them all because you have to assume uh, Connor Stallions came to a a campus near you (laughs) and has all of your signs recorded. Where do you think Connor Stallions is now? You know Michigan's hiding that dude out somewhere so that the Wall Street Journal, 60 Minutes, the New York Times, they can't find him because they're all looking for him right now. I can't wait for this movie. I can't wait for this movie to come out. Who's going to play Connor Stallions in the movie? Matt That's Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> that would be good, though. I can see it. I can see it. We'll be back. Or the guy looks like Evan Carter who plays for the Rangers. <laughs> we'll be back. I took him up with Ian Rodby. Fabulous fifth hour coming next.